Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Netflix and Swill podcast. I'm your host, Caleb, and like a bad case of herpes, I have returned to claim my rightful place. And I missed you, friend. And if my voice is just sonically the worst, um, it's because Exhibit came to my house uh, and said, Hey, dog, I can see you're sick, so I'm going to make you sick so you can be sick while you're sick. Because I was throwing up last week, and now I have a chest cold. You're just a, a disaster. Are you getting enough vitamin C? You're drinking that OJ? Uh, I've been drinking not orange juice specifically, but a lot of fruit-based juices. Do people remember Pimp My Ride? I do. I wanted to be on Pimp My Ride so goddamn bad. <laughs> of course, by the time Pimp My Ride went off the air, I uh, had just gotten my driver's license, so... Also, I wasn't based in Los Angeles, so they wouldn't come take my car. Yeah. That, that was one of the qualifiers to that show. You had to be based in Los Angeles for them to come get your car. I don't know. I feel like uh, the Pennsylvania equivalent of a Pimp My Ride show would just be called, like, Fix My Shit. And we would, like, patch people's exhaust and, like, uh, sand and paint rust spots. Yeah. Or uh, Lift My Truck. Yeah. <laughs> That's true too. Well, how you been? I uh I've missed you forever. I'm fine. I'm I'm fine here. Uh I uh, I'll talk about uh something I caught this week, but I caught something this week, but I'll I'll talk about that a bit later. Was it a shiny pokemon? No. No, 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 it was not. It's it's something else. But tell me about you, friend. We've we've missed you. You've been gone for so long. Uh, I don't know, like, like, you know, uh, I've been laid off from work for a while, so I, um, have been putting out job applications and just kind of being on unemployment, and I'm happy to report that I have found a new job. It is with a, uh, large building supplies retailing chain, uh, and I am going to be a trainee manager with this company so it's something i can actually move up in and kind of establish a career so it's kind of everything that i was looking for it's still kind of in my wheelhouse but you know i'll actually have upward mobility and not be uh killing myself for no money with no advancement opportunities what if everything you ever wanted came in a hardware store thing <laughs> it's not it's not like a big box store they're a, a lumber retailer yes but um still that's that's cool though there, um, there, there's they have a, a mid 80s number in their name 
<laughs> uh, which I found out is because of like that's the name of the unincorporated township where the company was formed. Okay. You know what? Okay. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I'm I'm excited about it. It's a it's a big opportunity. I think it'll be really good. Who's had more jobs during the run of this show? You or me? This will be my fourth. I'm on my fourth as well. We're tied. Look at us being job boys. Yeah. It's a bit bad. This show's only been running three and a half years, and we've had four jobs. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't have a problem, really, like, if I'm not getting what I want out of it or not being treated super well. Like, I don't have a problem, like, leaving and sure. saying goodbye forever. Yeah, no, I get that. And, like, my last two jobs, I just really wasn't treated that well, I feel. And, like, the one before that, um, I was there for a lot of years and just kind of realized they were never going to let me move up because I got too good at what I was doing, so they didn't want to pull me off of that. I'm proud of you, friend. Yeah, I'm I'm proud of myself. I kind of, uh, I don't know, when I'm not working, I get really bummed out, so I kind of hit rock bottom, and like right after that, within a week, I got some really good news. So, um... Keep keep at it, I guess. Keep is fucking the, that chicken. The moral, yeah. If an egg can fit in there, you know. <laughs> uh... Well, it's time to move on to our favorite segment. What's your swill? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans. <laughs> Stay away from the cans. <laughs> Caleb, as you know, I said I caught something. Maybe you caught it too. I don't know. I hope you caught it. Did you catch the cravy waves? No, for I for White Claw. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. Uh, so there's this new virus going around called the coronavirus. So of course I caught that. Oh Jesus! And I'm drinking me a forty a Corona with lime. I love you so much. What if you went to Panda Express and ordered a Corona? <laughs> Uh, I was really hoping you you would also have the same joke as me. I was I was really hoping for that, but I, I assume you're you're sick and dying, and therefore didn't want to participate in uh, coronavirus. Yeah, I didn't go out uh to get anything, but I have for Christmas. My sister in law got me a champagne bottle of the champagne of beers, Miller High Life. Uh, which I'm drinking Ooh. straight from the bottle. It's the giant champagne bottle that they do around Christmas time, which is uh, how the fuck much is this? It's 25 ounces. Oh, uh, Ashley lied. This is not a 40 of Corona. This is only 24 ounces. Okay, so so this is this is basically just two beers. Yeah, pretty much. I've had that. Which before. is fine because uh. Dear God, it's it's Miller High Life. It's not good. I mean, that is correct. That is a, that is an objective statement. No one likes that beer. Calling it the champagne of beers is a stark reminder that champagne can be bad, too. <laughs> Anything can be bad. Uh, speaking of which, uh, let's talk about some news. Oh, shit, it's mail time. 
Uh, for, first and foremost, I want to talk about the Apple Podcast review my mom left us. Ooh, hooray. Uh, she She's left like nine now, and I feel like this is the only way she feels she can talk to me. <laughs> does she keep making new accounts to no, do them, or no, 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 does she no, keep she, updating she hers? She updates them. So there, there's this one. Uh, this was done on the 14th. I could have read this last week, but I wanted to, you know, Ashley was on, and I, I, I love just hearing from you and your reactions to what my mom has to say. So, uh, love the show, five stars. You really need to listen to the show. I would like to know what comedian stand-up specials are coming out. I never miss an episode. Well, mom, let me explain to you something. Uh, we don't talk about comedian specials because f- fuck that. Uh, also, she leaves uh, a purple heart because uh, that's her favorite color. Uh, two dog emojis and two cat emojis uh, for Aww. the two dogs and the two cats at home. But none for your uh, brother and sister. I don't know. I don't know where the emoji is of my brother, but uh, since he since he is like <laughs> another animal in and of to himself. My sister is uh, some other man's problem, so <laughs> Linda doesn't have to worry about that. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Linda. Um, someday I hope Dan lets me meet you. I swear to God you met her. I may have, honestly. Because, uh, I don't know, I feel like one time you were, like, moving out of your college dorm and she was helping you out or something and I was helping you out or yeah, some sort of situation like that, but... That sounds right. That sounds like something that would have happened. I mean, she ran into, like, everybody else that day. You should call her more. I was, uh, I spent time with my mother today. It is her 60th birthday. I don't think she, uh, appreciates hearing that. It is her 30th birthday. Yeah, for the 30th year in a row. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She was a flower child. She used to do, uh, amphetamines whenever they were safe, and it was called speed. (laughs) Not Ritalin? Yeah, Ritalin basically is speed. It's true. It's legal. You can't you can't get speed anymore. It's all fucking crystal meth or ecstasy. And that uh fucks you up really bad. All right. So uh in, in actual news, uh, our first story is that Netflix has yet again changed the definition of a view. God bless America. All right. Well, what what's a view now? What give me their view askew definition? That Give was that, nothing. That's like a 5 out of 10. That's That wasn't terrible. Uh, so this comes from their financial statements, which uh, if you want to understand how Netflix makes money, please read. I, I highly recommend you read their financial statements uh, to understand how they make money. Because for the love of God, I am tired of hearing, uh, how does this company make money, Colby Mac? I love you, but dear fucking sweet Jesus, read the financial statements. They they don't make money so much as they procure it from those who are less deserving of it. Like us. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> uh, so, quote, uh, chose to watch and did watch for at least two minutes, long enough to indicate the choice was intentional, unquote. Isn't that the same as Hulu and Disney's definition for... Don't they all, like, have the same business model now, basically? Uh, I think so. That doesn't mean I, th- I find this any less stupid. 
Like two minutes is fucking nothing. Like I, I don't. I, I guess they all got beh- together behind the scenes. Were like, all right, what are we constituting as a view? Let's all inflate our viewing numbers. Uh, like, um, they used a comparison of what the fuck was it? It was like our planet. They said like mm. based off of their new metrics, uh, it was like more like forty five million people viewed it versus like thirty five million under uh previous their previous definition, which was seventy percent. So uh it's roughly actually I think it was fifty one fifty one million under the new under the new guidelines. So it's like roughly thirty three percent more views. Uh so like we're gonna talk about like The Witcher here in a second, but like if you take like thirty three like if you take a third off of it, that's what it probably really is as opposed to what they claim it is. Yeah. I don't know. I've definitely accidentally hit the fucking button to make a pl- a show play and had it go for more than two minutes. Yeah, right? I don't know. I don't... It's like, oh, I'm going to try to stop this. Oh, I have to go to the bathroom so bad. Oh, no, I accidentally hit play, but I have to set the controller down because I'm running. I'm running so fast so that I don't piss myself. <laughs> It's. I don't know. I don't know. If everyone's using it, fine. Uh, I just don't think anyone knows what a view is anymore, if that's what it's considered, so. Well, the thing is, like, you're doing it in your home. Like, there's no way until they fucking activate the webcams on everybody's smart TVs that they can tell if you're actually watching. You've brought a horrifying reality into my into my brain. And that's the last yeah. thing I need. Uh, that's actually something I read about within the last year, I think, is, uh, I think YouTube was testing out, um, a method of advertising where they would check to see if you were looking at the webcam on your phone while an ad was playing. Cool. Very cool. I love the future. Uh, smash your cell phone, live in the forest. Uh, next up, Netflix wins uh, international streaming light rights to all of Studio Ghibli's movies everywhere but North America and Japan. Hooray, we lose. So uh, everybody in the UK and Australia, there's basically going to be three waves of this. So this is this is like uh, my neighbor Totoro, The Cat Returns, uh Howl's Moving Castle, Spirited Away, all those movies. They're all very good. Um, Everybody should watch all of them. But we can't watch them all here. Legally. Where we live. Or on Netflix. Yes. Because HBO has them. Oh, do they? Yeah, HBO is... uh, When HBO Max comes out, they're going to be on there. Uh, So, this is another thing. Because I don't know. I have a subscription to HBO now. There's also a thing called HBO Go, mm-hmm. and now HBO Max is coming out. Mm-hmm. What is the difference? Do I need to switch to a different thing? I don't know. I've seen I've seen rumors that they're just going to make one thing now, like HBO Go and now are just going to become Max. Because they're kind of just all over the place. Go, I think, is something like if you have an HBO subscription through your cable provider Correct. you also get HBO Go. Yes. HBO Now is a standalone streaming service. Yes. I don't know why they're not integrated, but they're not. 
and I don't know what HBO Max is. Uh, it's just going to have like a bunch of shit. Like, I, I don't know what more things they're going to have. Like, I think, I think the DC, uh, streaming app might get rolled into that. So, okay. So it's sort of like Amazon Prime X HBO ish. Yeah. yeah, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Cool. Um, hey, The Witcher is a thing we just keep talking about. Oh, yeah. According to an article from Variety, they are on track to be Netflix's biggest debut ever, uh, 76 million views in four weeks. That's right. 76 million of you watched two minutes of The Witcher and then immediately turned it off. <laughs> or more than that. Good? I don't know. Uh, using Netflix math, if you take uh, 33% off of this, that's more like 54 million people, which is still a lot of people. Watched at yeah. least the first episode, so. Also related topic, CEO Reed Hastings calls Witcher a massive new franchise, which will be developed season after season. You know, until they run out of material, which is seven seasons. Yeah. Maybe eight. Maybe eight. I don't know. Yeah, split uh split the seventh and eighth season into uh two and then uh leave a disappointing ending. The last two seasons they'll like cut the number of episodes because like the creators just want to rush through and do other projects and all the fans will be really let down by it. They'll they'll get offered money to do the <laughs> Bambi movie. Yeah. Game of Thrones. Let's not forget Netflix is paying them two hundred million dollars to make them shows. Yeah. Uh and the third story about The Witcher for the week uh is that Netflix is producing an animated tie in film titled The Witcher Nightmare of the Wolf. Uh so I actually tried uh I really did try to do some journalistic things. Uh mainly asking Netflix themselves, is the original voice cast or is the live action voice cast uh doing the voices or some are you getting somebody else? Uh, and I can tell yeah. you, as of this episode, uh, they ignored me. Yeah, uh, there's no details other than, hey, this exists. Makes sense. This, Which like, is disappointing, but yeah, whatever. I mean, The Witcher just came out, so like they're being like, oh, mega hit. Please pump out as much content for this as humanly possible. While people want it. Hey, Game of Thrones, we don't need like a billion prequel series after you've fucked it up. So, there, you know, I'm fine with this. I, I'm glad I don't know details, although we we'll probably won't find out anything until, like, 2021, because it's going to be yeah. animated. It's going to be done by the team that did Legend of Korra, so. Yep. Uh, I don't know. I think, I think it'll be pretty cool. I just, uh, I don't know, any more Witcher content. I'm, I'm pretty much on board for. Yeah. So. Especially if it's anything like, uh. Castlevania. First season of Castlevania, not second season. Second season had some problems. All right. Tell me about Altered Carbon. Uh, season two is finally coming back to Netflix after two years uh, on uh, February 27th. That's it. It just exists. That's all you should know. It finally exists. We've been waiting for the Anthony Mackie season for a long time. And uh, we're not going to watch that that week because something else is coming out that we care much more about. So I would complain that I'm going to have to rewatch the first season now 
to know what the fuck is going on in this show. Uh, but as I recall, I only ever watched the first three episodes of Altered Carbon, and I was like, it's fine, and then I stopped. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. I said, this was fine, and I watched all ten episodes. Um, I see people, like, beating off over this show constantly, and, uh, I don't know. Maybe I missed something. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll get it on my second attempt, but. Yeah, sure. I guess we'll see. All right. Uh, next up is The Irishman, Marriage Story, American Factory, and Atlantics are all receiving Criterion Collections. I don't know that much about what Criterion Collections are, so explain in further detail. So basically, they're just getting printed on Blu-ray, and then they're going to have like a bunch of special features. And, and like so collector items. Whatever like shadow organization creates these just like they decide like hey this is a movie that we want to do a special thing of and then Mm -hmm. they do and it's like a special special edition release of it yeah pretty much to be honest i don't know too much about criterion collections I, i know like julio has like a lot of criterion collections i can tell you i will be getting the marriage story criterion collection uh, I'm still waiting. Well, sure. I'm still waiting on my Beast of No Nation Criterion collection. The fuck is going on here, Criterion? Fuck you. Yeah, I'd much rather have that than the Irishman. Oh, 100 percent. Fuck the Irishman. I'd rather have the Atlantics or Atlantics than fucking the Irishman. Well, well good news. You're gonna be able to get it. Hooray! Uh, I don't really want it though. But Marriage Story, yes. What was the first one? Because they oh, it was Roma. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. And what was, uh, there was one other one that they did. I don't think so. Already. Roma was the most, like, Roma was the first one. And that's when everyone was like, wait a minute, Netflix is partnering with Criterion? This is interesting. Huh. I thought that they had done another one in between, but, yeah. No, they were doing a Blu-ray release of, uh, Cloverfield Paradox, everyone's favorite movie. (laughs) I don't know why they don't do blu-ray releases for everything honestly i think they don't know the market so like who who's gonna watch something on netflix and be like ah i want to buy a blu-ray of that like i'll do that every now and then like there's three particular movies that i want blu-rays of marriage story uh uh, uh, uh private life and uh beast of no nation like th- those are the three i want and then like i'll never get anything else pretty much i don't know if they if they continue doing the retro vhs packaging blu-ray releases for stranger things i'll buy as many seasons as they want to put out but that's fair i don't think that they're doing those anymore yeah so right now i just have two seasons and then empty shelf space that's so ridiculous just do it just like, do it unless Commit. It, lean unless into it, it or like say something that you're not doing it because like it wasn't profitable or something like there wasn't enough demand for it, so you just wound up losing money on it. Like, I'd, I'd understand that if you said that you lost money on it. Yeah. Yeah, well, whatever. All right. Uh, this final story doesn't actually pertain to Netflix, but dear fucking G- sweet Jesus, do I want this. So, uh, Neil Breen, who um, I'm sure that almost none of you know was, who he is. Was he the bad guy from Half-Life 2? N- no. 
Uh, <laughs> no. The villain in that game's named Dr. Breen. Oh. No. So. But no. Sorry. A uh, game came out in 2004. I'm a giant dork. Uh, don't worry. The sequel's coming in 2020. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, so, uh, Neil Breen is an independent filmmaker and uh, certified insane person. Seriously, uh, I highly recommend you go search Neil Breen movies. Just watch any of them to understand what kind of, what kind of a psychopath this man is. But he is looking for studio funding for his sixth film. Now, uh, I want to point out in one of his movies, he uh, had a whole montage of him murdering the, the rich elite of, of the world. So why he cool. wants studio funding uh, and why he thinks he'll get it is amazing to me. But Netflix, fucking do it, you cowards. Give Neil Breen money. I want to see a, a like well-funded Neil Breen movie like with all the money in the world that he can handle t- to make it. Like, I want it. They're scared. They're too scared. They don't want to get blown up. Neil Breen's going to blow them up. With a truth bomb. <laughs> when he does the blow up thing, he's just clearly on a green screen. He's fucking walking out, and there's like this shitty CGI fucking explosions in this, on this house. Like the static image of this fucking house behind him is fucking hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. If you want to treat, watch some Neil Breed movies. They are, you just have to understand that you're watching a, a psychopath. <laughs> begin his descent into madness Uh, I can't wait so do it Netflix you fucking cowards I want Netflix to produce a follow up to feeders uh you mean feeders 2 the Christmas one yeah (laughs) Uh, I found out that uh at least I'm pretty sure they're trying to do a follow-up to Hectic Knife, and I was very pleased. Sure. They better send you, like, an early copy, since you're, like, the number one fan of that movie. I'm, I'm the fan of that movie. <laughs> uh, apparently, like, the plot would involve Hectic Knife going into space to save the galaxy. I mean, any movie that involves space travel uh, in a sequel is uh, yeah. right by me. Yeah, well, I can't wait pretty, to watch uh, like, Furious like 10. Jason X. Yeah, Furious 10, where they go into space. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, no. I don't think you understand how excited I'll fucking be. They're going to go to a different galaxy, and there's going to be fast cars there, and they're going to race them, and they're going to win. They're going to uh, have to drift race hover cars against aliens. Oh, my God, they're going to pod race. Speaking of which... Uh, it, it won't be out by the time I release this episode, but, uh, the first episode of Dan makes Ashley watch Star Wars is, is, uh, coming up soon. And we watched Phantom Menace and we pod, we watched some pod racing. I hope you're all excited for this because, uh, who boy. Did Ashley say, no, this is pod racing. No, but I said it. I said, we uh we watched that and then we recorded our Death Note episode and I'm like now this is podcasting. <laughs> All right, well uh let's do a trailer breakdown five times during the segment that is called Downstream. B. 
Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! Alright, our first trailer is for the movie Horse Girl. This stars Allison Brie, Molly Shannon, uh, Ted, and uh, uh, a girl from Insatiable. Deb Ryan, that's her name. Debbie Ryan. Uh, it looks like the plot involves Allison Brie's character having some sort of psychotic break or seizures or something. She thinks she's being abducted by aliens because she's like missing time and seeing bright lights and stuff and um she's having, just like, random, random nosebleeds spots. and shit. But yeah, but yeah, like uh, I I th- think like medically a lot of times what's happening with uh like alien abduction cases is like the person's having a seizure. So they, like, lose time and they see, like, flashes of light in the sky and shit. Uh, this looks interesting. I actually, like, want to watch this. Uh, yeah, but- it looks neat. Uh, Molly Shannon's in it. She She's aging uh, clumsily. Yes, she doesn't look great in private life. Because <laughs> she was in that, too. That's the second time I mentioned private life. Everyone, go watch private life. Like, right now. Turn off the podcast, quit your job, and watch private life. And then come back. And then beg your job for your job back. <laughs> Alright, um, yeah, I, I think this looks cool. Terrible title. I don't know why they're calling it Horse Girl unless she got like kicked in the head. In which case, like well, sure. she's a she's a girl and she mm-hmm. owns a horse. Don't think she actually owns the horse. I I think like she's just like, oh, that's my horse. Yeah. But like She's thinking about buying the maybe horse. Maybe it's like a, maybe she's like a undercover horse thief type Ooh. situation. Mm. And she's just using this as a way to pretend it's like an old timey bandit. She's gonna rob the the ten thirteen train. She grows a handlebar mustache in the third act, <laughs> and ties Molly Shannon to the tracks. <laughs> and and then when the train runs Molly Shannon over, achievement pops called dastardly. That's a Red Dead Redemption and she, reference. And then and then she has just a bunch of bombs that are just like basketball-sized black spheres of iron with a piece of string coming out of the top. All right, our next trailer is for Spencer Confidential, another movie. This one stars Mark Wahlberg. A, a Mark Wahlberg vehicle. Um, did... did this amazingly wasn't a Michael Bay movie. No, it's um, I think Mar- uh, Peter Berg. I think that's his name. He were he does a lot of work with Mar- Mark Wahlberg now. Where uh, I don't know they did uh that Mark Wahlberg movie last year that Paul hated. Can't remember what the fuck it was called, but it had Ronda Rousey in it. So obviously it was going to be bad. I don't know why you thought it was oh. good, Is Paul. It- is it about her getting kicked in the face and then passing out and then her <laughs> career ending? Uh, it's true. Uh, no, no, it wasn't. I don't. I don't know what it was called. It was like twenty one something. I don't know. Twenty one gun salute. Who who gives a fuck? But uh, this looks good. I actually like want to watch this, despite the fact that as Post Malone is a bad guy in it. Yeah, no, it looks fine. I don't know. It looks like any other movie. So, Speaking and I hate movies. So that's true. Uh, speaking of any other movie, did you watch Nineteen Seventeen yet? Uh, I did not. It'd be a real shame if you haven't seen that, because uh, boy, you need to see that movie. I've seen it three times now. 
just saw it in IMAX yesterday. And it got, uh, it is my fifth movie with five stars now. Nice. Ever. Like, ever. Uh, yeah. It's it's at my theater, along with Little Women. I might go see that, too. Ooh, that's a good double feature. Although I haven't seen Little Women yet, but I want to. Or, uh, or I might decide to go see all five showings of Doolittle and then blow my brains out. <laughs> you will make up 100% of the budget, uh, the box office for that, that movie this week. <laughs> if you do that. What's the other stuff playing? You still got Cats? Uh, no cats. Cats wasn't here for very long. I I missed cats. Hmm. I um I really wanted to see cats, just because I felt like I had to witness the 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 horror of that experience. And then uh, like I got worried that because they were gonna push out uh like an updated version of the film because movies are video games now and you can just release a a broken product and then patch it. Hundred percent. Uh, so I missed that. Um, so I don't know the other. I was gonna guess the other uh, things Star that Wars we have. And Bad Boys Star for Life. Star Wars isn't there anymore. Ooh, that's Jumanji a... is still there. Okay, Bad Boys for Life. Um, correct. All right, Jumanji's interesting. I wouldn't expect Jumanji over Star Wars. I thought the new Jumanji was fun. I don't know. I think that uh, I think the new Star Wars movie really struggled. Sure did, all the way to almost a billion dollars. Right, yeah, relative to a a big... No, I'm not shitting on you. Believe me, I'm not shitting on you when you say that, but everyone's like, man, this this is such a bomb, and I look at the box, but also there was no way it was going to make less than a billion dollars. Yeah, I'm like, a billion dollars, hmm, what a bomb. Sure wish I could have a billion dollar bomb. But also to put that in context... Joker made a billion dollars on like maybe a tenth of the budget. Because what Star Wars like two hundred fifty million? It had to have been. I think it was like sixty for Joker. Yeah, that sounds right. But still, like that's <laughs> that's so fucking profitable. It's not even funny. Yeah, that's why it's not uh, a comedy. Most profitable R-rated movie ever. Sure is. Uh, speaking of R-rated movies, let's talk about Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution. They finally did it, Dan. It's a CG remake of the first Pokemon movie, and it's a Netflix original or Netflix exclusive or something. Yeah, it's just it's being distributed uh, in the West on Netflix. It's going to be shot for shot, isn't it? I hope so. Like... Like they they redid the voices with like the new voice actors for all these all, all the characters and like that's whatever like fine, but like it's shot for shot they're they're basically doing three D renderings of the two D art, which like the Pokemon look fine like they basically just took like the the Switch and like uh, Pokemon Detective Pikachu sprites and just made them that, but then like the humans look horrifying. Yeah. What was, uh, like, in the original theatrical run of Mewtwo Strikes Back, like, what, they had the uh, Pikachu's Vacation short that played before it or something like that? Oh, man. It was yeah. It was the first movie that I ever saw that had, like, a short film that was tangentially related to it 
play before it, which is now the thing that all Pixar movies do. Yeah. But, uh, I hope they like, redo that. In, in that, they revealed like three new Pokemon that weren't in the games yet. I think it was, so, uh, like, me and all of my 10 year old friends that I want to see the movie with, <laughs> like, popped our first and or second boners in our entire lives during that. Yeah, because what I think it was Pichu, Meryl, and Don something Fan. else. And Don Fan, that was it. No, Don Fan was in the actual movie. Because uh, yeah, Pir- that's Pirate right. Boy uses it. Yeah, in the in like the opening montage. Yeah, uh, Pikachu fights Don Fan. We're such fucking nerds. I remember that movie. I can't wait to rewatch this. H- Hello, our wives slash girlfriends that have had sex with us. What did, how, I, how do your choices look? Oh, uh, so Ashley and I were talking about Death Note on her podcast, and I was like, so I'm in, I was in an anime club, and she was like, wait, you were in an anime club? I'm like, yes, I was in an anime club. And then she was like, I've had sex with you. I'm like, yes, <laughs> I, uh, yes I trapped you. You're an idiot. I, uh, I listened to that whole episode, and uh, my immediate re- reaction was, Dan, you have to be nicer to Ashley. And then I listened to a little bit more of it, and my secondary reaction to it was, Ashley, you have to be nicer to everybody. It's it's true. <laughs> I, I abuse my girlfriend uh, verbally, but it's also understood that I'm abusing her verbally, and I don't mean any of it. But, like, whenever we do podcasts together, she's like, you have to be nice, because, like, people don't get, like, this is our thing. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck, fuck you, bitch. Yeah, I don't know. I used, I had that kind of, uh, like bantery like just taking the piss out of each other relationship with my ex and like i had a couple dudes try to fucking fight me over (laughs) fucking joking with her i was like if you fucking want to stick up for that bad go fucking hang out with her i don't care (laughs) bless her all right uh our next trailer is for gentified uh this is a series about a Latin American neighborhood that is being gentrified, I think. Yep, and they try to fight back against the the upper middle class white people who are moving into the neighborhood. And I'm pretty sure that the like chef character in this was one of the kids from Hamlet 2, which is a, a sadly unknown like B comedy movie. Starring hmm. Steve Coogan. Uh, so please look up Hamlet 2. He's a high school drama teacher who writes a sequel to Shakespeare's Hamlet. And it's fucking insane. I'll take your word for it. If well, we ever uh, do DVDs and Swill again, we're watching Hamlet 2. If if I ever return to the North. For I am no longer king there. Yeah. Yeah, because you crossed the Mason Dixon, and now you're, now you're gonna find out that Ashley's your cousin, and be fine with it. <laughs> the worst. Don't fucking put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> no, I'm gonna. I'm actually just gonna return to the wall, and then just stay there for no reason because the 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 fucking ice people are, are, are don't exist anymore. Yeah, the whites are coming again. The the long winter is here, and it's going to last for half an episode. <sighs> I want to point out, I, I've watched one episode of Game of Thrones, and I love dig- just ripping into it for no reason. 
I don't know. I I got in such a fight with Craig's girlfriend whenever she was like, I wish that I could have all the time back that I put into this show. And I was like, well, like, all of it that you enjoyed up to this moment was still good. Like, you still enjoyed that when it happened. Mm -hmm. You just didn't like the end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gentified is a series. It It looks decent. Yeah, it looks okay. Uh, our final trailer is for a movie starring Anne Hathaway called The Last Thing He Wanted. It's got Willem Dafoe, Rosie Perez, and Ben Affleck in it. It appears to be about the Iran-Contra affair. Oh, so... no. That's definitely South America. Well, they, they specifically mentioned Contras in the trailer. Mm. So, Well, um... I mean, they, they might be playing some side-scrolly shooting games. Ha. <laughs> That's my favorite uh, video game that's based on an international incident. <laughs> what are the what are other ones that are based on international incidents? <laughs> uh, Pac Man. I was about to say Pac Man too. Um, no, con the video game Contra. You fight aliens, strangely, but that game's really hard. It's also like the first game that had a cheat code that became like widely spread knowledge. That's true. I don't know. I I don't know if this movie will be good or not. It's got some big stars in it. Mm -hmm. I'll probably watch it because Willem Dafoe's in it. Yeah, that's true. So, we'll see. I don't know. The trailer didn't really blow me away. but Oh, the trailer's awful. I think it's a really bad trailer. Yeah. But if it's about the the Iran-Contra affair, it'll give me a reason to hate Ronald Reagan more, so I'll get to gloat to my uh, Republican parents. There you go. Uh, D. Rees is directing this. Uh, she directed Mudbound, uh, f fuck, four years ago now? Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, time Jesus flies. Jesus, 50? <laughs> I remember watching fucking Mudbound, and I'm like, oh, this is a great movie. And when, I wonder when D-Rees is going to do her next movie. And then four years later, here it is. But um, uh, I really like Mudbound a lot, so I'm looking forward to seeing this, and I hope it's good. Yeah, I um, I don't know what to think about this yet. I'll, I'll have to wait and see. Truth. All right. Um. Well, Dan, people probably want to have a short break from listening to us talk so that we can listen to the commercial where I talk. No, um, no, that's not. That's that's the second one. This I, one's I for know. podcasts. I know. Do you? You've been off the show for a week and you've already forgotten the exact structure of it. Oh, I'm very my God. disappointed. It's not like you could ever possibly change it up. It's nah, not never. like you arbitrarily stick to the same format every week. But never, never happened. But uh, we are going to take a short break, though, and when we come back, I will have used the restroom so that we can have a long-form discussion on Neon Genesis Evangelion, which is a, a doozy, so stick around. It wasn't, it wasn't even a cool dog, like a Rottweiler. <laughs> no, it's like, no, a schnauzer, schnauzer almost took me off the earth. <laughs> So, did you drink a lot? Did you yeah. uh, do drugs? I mean, what? Yeah, I, yes, to both. <laughs> and I gotta tell you, I, I was an ass. 
Really? For the bulk of those years. Okay. Just and like what you mean, arrogant? Y- arrogant. It was just all about Phil Moon, whatever Phil Moon could do to benefit Phil Moon. Okay. Uh, and I didn't care who I walked on, who I stepped on, who I angered. Have you ever passed someone on the sidewalk and wondered what their story is? What makes them tick? What makes them who they are? I'm Nathan Wade, and I'm the host of Everyone Has a Story podcast. Each week, we interview an average person and explore the events that have impacted, shaped, and molded them into the individuals they are today. In this world of vicious social media rants and bitter partisan politics, we need to put the Facebook down, shut the Fox News or CNN off, and take our neighbor a plate of cookies. I'm trying to do my small part here to bring people a little closer together. So grab your favorite beverage, find a comfy chair, and join me in on the conversation. Everyone Has a Story releases a new episode every Monday morning. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can also listen and subscribe at everyonehasastorypodcast.com. Remember, everyone is unique. Everyone has a story. What's yours? Welcome back, Caleb. Before we talk about Neon Genesis Evangelion, talk about some quick hits. Uh, now, I am going to save uh, the the thing we both watched for the last part of my bit, but uh, I will start with a couple things that I did watch. Uh, I so I finished all of It's Bruno, uh, It's Fino. Uh, Chris, like it's like it's it, it, there's fun. It's funny in parts, but like uh, I think I talked about it before. It's like an absurdist comedy based off of like a guy who overly loves his dog. Yeah, uh, it it's funnier than the other thing that I watched uh, that was supposed to be a comedy. I think you should leave with Tim Robbins. Uh, I think that show should leave Netflix immediately because it's it sucks. It's fucking terrible. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it, it that's absurdist comedy that doesn't work and i just want it to be dead and i wish it was uh so it's bruno gets a three uh i think you should leave gets a negative a billion because fuck that show uh and then i watched the first episode of size monos upon your recommendation what'd you think i want to watch more it's uh it's got a real unique feel huh yeah, like it's it's interesting. Like the the grindhousey parts are interesting when they do flashbacks and that kind of stuff. Like the guy just being a thing, uh, a monster to start the show was interesting. Like there's a there's a couple moments in the show where like they really lean into the grindhouse aspect of it, and like you see the film reel come off track, and then they do yeah. like a time skip ahead. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I I saw something like that. They, like it was almost to that point, but then they didn't do it. But uh, it's interesting. I want to watch more. So uh, for first episode, it, it did exactly what it was supposed to do. Nice. I'm glad you got to check that out. Uh, um, I cannot stop watching Parks and Rec. That makes sense. We're we're losing it soon. So hurry, friend. Yeah. I I've watched. Almost all of the first five seasons during my time off. Look at you. I've just been cruising through it. What's your, uh, what's been your favorite part? I don't know. Now that like, cause this is my second run through the series. Like 
I kind of notice more little like in jokes and like running gags that they have. So I don't know. I just like watching episodes and picking out little things like, oh, that's a callback to when this happened. Uh, my favorite part is still Leslie's campaign address at the ice rink uh, where they're playing get on your yeah. feet and they keep falling everywhere. And then uh, <laughs> where's the stairs? And and then and then the dude comes in to try to dunk a basketball, but he's on ice. So he fucking kills himself. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. One of my favorite moments, which is an episode that I watched recently, uh, Ron starts dating a woman who has two young children mm. and, uh, like he gets sick and has to go to the doctor, but he redacts his whole medical history. So, Anne's like, shockingly, you're in almost perfect health despite eating red meat and drinking alcohol, like every waking moment. <laughs> But your potassium's a bit low, so every few days eat a banana and just like he's like, no, absolutely not. But like, since you know, he has people who care about him now, he wants to do it for them. Yeah. So like there's a whole like three minute long scene of him trying to eat this banana, and he puts like a little bit in his mouth and starts gagging. So then he gets, like, a giant double bacon cheeseburger and puts half the banana on it and, like, smashes it down and bites it. And then he's, like, nods his head, like, yeah, all right. <laughs> it's fucking great. Uh, I love that show. Uh, Ashley made me stop watching before the final season because she was like, all right, now it gets bad. I'm like, okay, whatever you say. See, I didn't even mind the final season. I I don't know. Uh... I haven't gotten to it in my second run through, so maybe, maybe it won't be as good. But no, I, I thought it was fine. All right, Caleb, it's time. Uh, we both watched the same thing this week because uh, I, well, I promoted it on our Facebook and Twitter, but uh, you don't have Facebook anymore, so you probably saw it on Twitter. I did. What did Jack do? Uh, this is by this is from David Lynch. So uh, give us some more vital statistics, please. All right, so this is written and directed by David Lynch. It definitely is a David Lynch thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it stars Jack Cruz, David Lynch, and Tutatabon, according to IMDb. Um, this is rated 6.8 out of 10, which feels right. Uh, and this is a short film in which a detective is seated at a table interrogating a talking monkey who is suspected of murder. Sure is. It's it's David Lynch. Like ninety percent of the dialogue is just like word salad. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, they I- just like drift from topic to topic. Um, the monkey, the titular Jack, uh, Jack Cruz playing himself. <laughs> That's what IMDb says. Oh, I know. That's but it's uh, still funny. He's in love with a chicken whose name is Tutatabon, who also plays herself in this, mm-hmm. uh, which for some reason she, so Tutatabon has two IMDB credits and both of them are for what did Jack do? That's I, weird. Must have been a producer. I don't know why. Well, no, they're both for acting. Do they have two entries for this on IMDB? Boy, IMDb sure is a joke. There's two separate entries for what did Jack do on IMDb. Huh. 
Interesting. So under what did Jack do, under more like this on IMDb, it has what did Jack do. They both have the same rating. Nice work, IMDb. Real proud of you. Uh, huh. I've never seen a David Lynch thing before. So, like, this is my first uh, kind of foray into him. I feel like you could really get into Twin Peaks. I feel like sometime we should do Twin Peaks as an episode. Uh, Corey has said Twin Peaks, watch Twin Peaks. But, so, like, this being my first foray into David Lynch, uh, I fucking hated it. Because, like, to me, this was nothing more than, like, something you would see on Adult Swim. And I don't mean that as a compliment because it's just so sur- like it's so surrealist. And I get that's what David Lynch is, but like, holy fuck. Like I, I, I sat there five minutes in and was like, what the fuck am I watching? Why am I watching this still? And then yeah. I, I just malazed over and then it was over. It's like that, that I, I feel like that's what you do with David Lynch things. Is you just like watch it. You go, what the fuck am I watching? And then you wind up finishing it. Yeah, his his brain is like a fucking Kafka nightmare. So uh, it's it's a thing. It'll eat seventeen minutes of your life. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's a funny concept. I don't know if you're gonna want to watch the whole thing, but if you watch it for two minutes, Netflix will consider you to have watched it. So, well, that's one hundred percent correct. Uh, what would you give? What did Jack do? Uh, spoilers for our main topic. I liked it more than Evangelion. Oof. So three. It's weird and funny, and it's weird and made me laugh uncomfortably. <laughs> sure. Uh, I gave it a one. Just cause, my my one word review of it on Letterbox was what. With a with a U. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't know. I like this for the same reason that I like Hectic Knife. Like it's self aware. It knows that it's not like high art. It's just trying to get a fucking rise out of people. Sure. And maybe I have to watch it as that, but like, I don't know. I'm, like, this being my introduction to David Lynch probably isn't the best thing because like. I think I just needed to watch something that, you know, uh, was more digestible first and then work my way up to this. Yeah. I don't know. If you're going to start somewhere with David Lynch, this might be a good starting point just because it's so short and digestible. Okay. Uh, well, that will move us over into our main topic. Uh, an anime written by David Lynch, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Oh boy. Um, I think I need to get your hot take first. All right. So when I, I I watched the first five episodes and I was like, okay, I like the idea of this. Like basically this is a deconstruction of the, the mobile suit Gundam genre. Where we, yeah. we've taken, like, 15-year-olds and we've made them weapons of war. And, like, we don't talk about the consequences that has on their mental stability. We just, you know, they just move on. Early on, like, it kind of shares some DNA with, like, Starship Troopers. 
in a weird way. Like everybody's so gung ho about killing all these things that like the human cost of it isn't even considered. So like from that aspect, I I like the direction they were going in. I didn't necessarily like all of it, but like I thought that was an interesting way to look at it was how do we like this is a 15 year old kid and we're expecting him to just murder the, these fucking things because they're killing humanity. What kind of mental toll does that take on a kid who didn't want to be there in the first place? So like that was interesting. But then they just kept layering shit on top of that to the point where when you get to the, the final two episodes, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Okay, I can try to explain it to you because I, I had to look up a lot of like what was going on because I just got fucking lost. Yeah, but like, it, so like I, I like the initial premise. It's just it, when it finally ends, it got so far away from the initial premise yeah. that I was just confused. This should have been two shows. Yes. Because this this was sold to me as being a mecha series about giant fighting robots killing these monster angel things. And they stopped fighting things, and when they did, it would be very brief so that they could make time for psychological melodrama and long scenes of people standing in an elevator together for a full minute, and then one character says something, and the other one gets mad and, like, leaves in a huff. That's the other thing, is, like, I, I've said this before on the show, but, like, film is made in the editing room. Mm -hmm. There's so much of this that could have just been wholesale chopped out of it. Yes. Uh, and like the other thing with the, the editing style is that like, if it, if you would even consider it editing style, because like, there are just like wholesale, like quick cuts to things that don't matter. And then quick cuts back. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, clearly this is, this is setting up to something and it never, there's and no then, payoff like, it to it. It changes the fucking art style to like everybody's watercolor. Well, this is, and this then is it changes the, final the art style to like, yeah, I, I'm talking like street, like the first 24, like it does this constantly where it, it like it's like focusing on a conversation and then we'll do like a quick cut to something like outside that is nothing and then it'll come back inside and it's like what what was the point of that why did you cut to the outside like what what are you doing I'm sure that there's a thematic reason for it but every fucking scene where they're outside and it's daytime there's the constant drone of cicadas <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, it, I guess it kind of makes sense because, like, when the second impact happened, it wiped out Antarctica and therefore the thing, and therefore yeah. Kurt, Kurt so it's Russell. supposed to be like, oh, life is returning, and like cicadas in Japan are just kind of a ubiquitous thing, right? And, and like, but, they they talk about the heat all the time, like how it's like thirty degrees Celsius, which uh, I want to say is like ninety, like it's always fucking hot. So it at least makes sense why the cicadas are around all the time because it's always fucking hot. I don't know any anything else broad strokes before we get into like particulars. No. I can see why this is regarded as a classic, mm -hmm. but also it's a jumbled mess. Yes, I agree with that. Um like there's there's a lot of interesting psychological and philosophical ideas and like um allusions to like 
obscure religious texts and like the the creators of the show clearly did their homework um but i don't know it has a bad case of like kitchen sink syndrome they just shoved so much into this that like anything that they had to say about these concepts um just like completely went out the fucking window yeah i pretty much agree with that all right um i guess core premise uh since we haven't said it yet this show takes place in the far distant future year of 2015 harvey Uh, Birdman looks at calendars 2004 yeah. Uh 15 years after an event called the Second Impact uh which is uh I'll describe a bit more detailed later but like basically they found like scientists found something in Antarctica uh it went boom and in the first goddamn the Antarctic week of ice cap Yeah, the ice caps in Antarctica melted and it raised global sea levels, so, like, this is in Japan, like, half of Japan is underwater, so there's, like, entire cities that are just, like, submerged mm-hmm. and abandoned. Um, and then there's these big monsters called angels that are coming to wipe out the rest of humanity, and they have to stop that from happening. Yeah. And our our protagonist is uh, Shinji Ikari, who is a 15-year-old high school student who uh, reluctantly joins this program because he's the only one that can pilot Unit 1, or Evangelion Unit 1, uh, and, and therefore is very important because otherwise the unit will not work. The Evangelions, or Avas for short, um... They have to be piloted by children, so it's a show about a bunch of 14, 15-year-old kids, Mm -hmm. which, once again, they, (laughs) like, way fucking over-sexualize every fucking thing in this show, and it's so uncomfortable. I don't understand why Japan is just not on board with you know don't sexualize 15 16 year olds like we get it all the time and like like some of it is clearly clearly played to be humorous like uh there's the there's the the hot springs part of the show where like uh masato and uh asuka go to the hot springs with uh what's his name shinji and shinji's just like they're they're talking about their bodies and shinji's just like listening and apparently he gets like a fucking boner and when you have a boner, the world is your oyster. He's like, well, fuck, I got a boner. And if you look at the subtitles, he's like, wow, I expanded down there. And I'm like, who the fuck talks like that? Get the fuck out of here, you loser. Oh, my gosh. Um, This did have, like, one of the most hilarious sequences ever, which is, like, girl protagonist uh, is has to have male protagonist deliver something to her home. So he goes there and like she doesn't answer the door. So like a pervert, he decides to let himself in mm-hmm. to do this. And like as he's snooping through a room uninvited, uh like she steps out of the bathroom because she was in the shower and that's why she didn't answer the door, so she's in a towel. And in his nervousness, his pants get stuck on like her dresser drawer. 
and he trips and pulls the drawer out, which like sends all of her bras and panties flying through the air in a cascade around them as he trips and falls into her, knocking her towel away. And then he lands on top of her naked body being showered in their underwear. It's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen. Uh, like we talked about it, like it's, it's at least tried to be brought up as like a deconstruction of like the mecha anime. So like you would see this kind of thing happen in one of those anime and it would be portrayed as awkward just like this is, but this is like to like the next fucking level of awkward because it's like, Oh, we're like over satirizing this, but it still doesn't make it any less creepy. But like, I get what they're trying to do in this sense. I know Netflix automatically skips the end credits, but like, did you watch the end credits through to like where they would preview the next episode at all? Oh, no. Literally in like the episode previews, the last thing that they say is tune in next time for more fan service. <laughs> okay, that's that's kind of hilarious, actually. Yeah, like. It's it's dumb. Like the it's dumb, but they they knew. What I don't they know were why doing. they've. I don't know. Why, <laughs> I don't know why they chose to do this. The fights clearly stand out as the best part. Like a lot of the action is interesting, at least like up to a certain point, where like towards the end, it becomes very trivial because they're trying to rush through it to get back to everybody having mental breakdowns. Yes, like. They, in the first few episodes, they actually balance it well between mental breakdown and action. Like, Shinji has a mental breakdown nearly every single episode. And, like, you would think that would get tiresome, uh, and it eventually does, but, like, the way they balanced it in the first few episodes, like, actually worked. So, like, you're watching him basically lose his mind and be like, I don't want to do this, like, but I have to do this because no one else can. And, and yeah. like his reluctant hero syndrome, except like you're seeing the mental effects on, of it on him as opposed to just being like, I'm a reluctant hero. Uh, I guess I'll be the hero now and just be accepted by everybody. And I'm great now. Like, you know, I'm wonderful. But no, you see like how this affects Shinji's mental state. And like, that's interesting. And I wanted that to keep going. And like, we, we eventually get to other mental states of other pilots. And that's like not as interesting. Because the the one particular pilot that we follow, uh, I fucking hate her because she's just written yeah, to be she's so the worst horribly character. annoying. Yes. She she goes from just being like smug, shitty kid to being like whiny, depressed kid. And like there's never a single moment where they establish her as like an endearing character that never. you want to follow around. No, and, and like when she got introduced, I'm like, okay, eventually she'll will grow and like we'll we'll learn about her and like maybe we'll learn her tra her tragic backstory and then like we'll grow to appreciate her. No, we we just like she's shitty kid and then tragic backstory and then she's shitty in a new way. It's like they found like the the perfect way to make this character completely unlikable and for me to not root for this person at all. Yeah. Um, so thematically, um, death and rebirth are like common themes. The show overall is about Shinji's transition from like boyhood to manhood. Mm -hmm. 
I guess. So like him entering the Ava and going into battle is like uh like a Freudian return to the womb metaphor and he's like reborn through like coming to terms with like this this is the thing that he's supposed to do. And then like obviously like religious subtext like the they're called angels they all have like names from judaic folklore Mm -hmm. uh so like the first angel that they find is adam right um and then they all have names like uh ramiel and other other things uh, other other angelic like names like no one's called michael unfortunately they don't really get into yeah it's like it's more jewish than that but like cuz they use like hebrew names or whatever sure um i th- i think they're hebrew but uh they refer to like uh, i guess the coming of the angels was foretold in the dead sea scrolls i don't know if they literally mean the dead sea scrolls or if that's like something else in the lore because there's also like there's like a supercomputer network and they call it like I think it's named after like the three kings from Yes, they are. Yeah. As someone who had to read like the Bible. One is like Balthazar or something. Melchior and Casper, but, which I never knew Casper was the yeah. name of a king, but okay. I always thought he was a friendly ghost. Let's see. They reference uh and it actually shows up in an episode. They have uh, an artifact called the Lance of Longinus, mm-hmm. which is a weapon that they use to kill one of the angels, uh, which the Lance of Longinus is also known as the Spear of Destiny, which is the spear that pierced Christ's side while he was crucified. Ah, good. And, like, just a bunch of stuff like that. So, like, like I said, it's... They have interesting ideas. It's yes. just such a muddled conceptual mess of like mysticism and uh Freudian Freudian and Jungian psychology and like uh teenage sexual awakening and giant fighting robots and then like out of place comedy beats. It's it, it like it, it's overstuffed. It's like they're like so much is squeezing out that like it doesn't work. They should have done a show about robots fighting angels, and then they should have developed a separate show that is about like broken characters trying to fix themselves, and then like what that develops into in the last two episodes. This is two shows that are trying to be one show. And and like the the final two episodes like really drive that home because like for even still for like the most part like the main twenty four episodes are fighting angels yeah. and like that's fine because there's twenty six episodes the final angel is defeated in the twenty fourth episode and then they have to have two more episodes right they they were like well what do we do now uh oh I guess humanity is the 18th angel so we're gonna do this thing called the the human initiative project or something like the human integration project. human instrumentality project okay sure and I I didn't get this so I had to read it uh but uh I guess from here on spoilers for Evangelion uh 
It's basically about bringing humankind into one shared consciousness. Yeah, they're they're creating they're forcing human evolution to create a hive mind so that we will finally be cap- be able to overcome uh, our loneliness and like disconnection from each other. Um, so like the last two episodes are Shinji's soul trying to come to terms with becoming part of a hive mind. Right. And, and, well, actually, and For that's mainly some the, reason. the final episode of the show, which is like Shinji has walled himself off in his own separate world uh, apart yeah. from the hive mind. And it's all about like everyone trying to coax him into the actual world. And he's like, OK, yeah, but sure. But they don't tell you that that's what's happening. <laughs> right. Because it's just like, ah, this is just the thing that's happening. And like they, they even do like what would be a regular drama anime. With like all the characters, like uh, like Shinji and Asuka have known each other for years, uh, and they all go to high school together. And Ray is uh, a, a new kid at school, and there's gonna be drama about that. But then, the, then Shinji's like, "Ah, so this is a possible world." And I'm like, "What in the actual fuck is happening right now?" Doesn't fit with the rest of the show. Should have been its own thing. Hundred percent. Like there, there's elements that are carried over, but like. In terms of the whole theme of the show, it feels so out of left field and so underdeveloped yeah. that, like, what the fuck are you supposed to think? Because we're meant to believe that uh, Sile, which is, like, this shadowy cabal that has, like, overseen the war against the angels throughout this, we're meant to th- understand that, like, this has been their end goal the entire time. Mm-hmm. But, like only because they tell us when it happens that this has been their end goal the entire time. Right. Um, so I want to move on from that. The Avas themselves, uh, which this is actually an interesting idea. They find out that like, they're not just fighting robots. They're, they're like cloned from the first angel. So they're like bio organic, like, robot weapon platforms or whatever right um so that's why like when they are wounded they bleed and stuff but like they essentially are themselves angels or like angel adjacent Mm -hmm. like they're derived from angel dna like it seemed like they were both human and angel like they're human angel hybrids almost yeah so like they don't have souls and that's why they need to have human pilots I don't know exactly why they have to be children. I don't either. Maybe it's because, like, you can con children? Well, I thought that what they were going to be going for is, like, they grew the Avas from, like, angel material. But, like, I thought the other side of that coin was going to be, like, they also grew the pilots. Because they were all born since the second impact, which kicked off hmm. the events of the show. Right. Because, like, the Avas don't have souls, so you have to have, like, a human pilot in it to, like, act as its soul, basically. But, like, right, right, right. And they find out that um, Ray is a clone, and they, like, keep cloning her and putting her into Avas, and, like, she keeps dying. And they show 15-year-old nipples. Yeah, which is not great. 
No, not at all. Because, like, every other time they show a naked person, they're just, like, a Barbie doll, basically. <laughs> That's exactly what Ashley said. She's like, it was that scene where... Uh, uh, Misato, uh, Asuka, and Rey are like doing that lean forward thing and talking to fucking Shinji. And she's like, What the fuck? Like, she had watched none of the show and like just happened to. Because over and over, they just like all the girls lean forward naked and are like, Become one with us in body and spirit. And like, that's supposed to be our hint that at the end, everybody becomes a hive mind. Yes. But like. They, it's, not, it's not developed. They like hint at that through his pubescent awakening. So like that's the only. This is the only part she's seen. She's just like, "What the fuck am I watching? Why do they look like Barbie dolls?" <laughs> I had to. I had to read up on this because um, I think in the manga they cover like the actual background information, but they don't in the show. So the second impact is the explosion that destroys Antarctica and they find like the first angel and whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first impact happened, I guess before humans existed. I was thinking that it was like the meteor hits that causes the primordial ooze or something like that. Yes. So what it was, there was uh like an ancient they're ancient aliens. I'm not saying it was aliens, but it was aliens. I'm doing I'm doing um, the hand gesture, so I'm with you. I am too. Uh so <laughs> aliens decided they're gonna seed the universe with with life. Um so they send out these capsules basically that contain different like progenitor organisms. That like each each planet gets one, they'll create a, an ecosystem on the planet, and then like they'll go dormant or die or whatever. Um, so the first impact was uh, what they call Lilith landing on the planet um, in like her pod or whatever she landed in was called the Black Moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, which it landed on the planet, and that was the first impact, and she creates humanity. So that broke the rules of like how this species created life, because Adam, the the angel progenitor, was already on the planet. Hmm. Um. So what the Lance of Longinus is is like each of them, each like progenitor thing would have one, and. If there were two on a planet, they would try to kill each other, and whichever one won would be the one who like populated the planet. But for whatever reason, Adam didn't have his. Uh, so like instead of them fighting to the death, he went dormant, even though he was there first and like should have been the one to populate the planet. Lilith's offspring, which is humanity, th- this is getting like way the fuck deep in shit, and like I can't believe that. There was all this thematic shit that I had to look up because they just didn't talk about it. Right. So the reason the angels are trying to destroy humanity is because, like, by rights, they should have been the ones to populate the planet. So whenever Adam awakens, 
whenever like basically they cause the second impact, like these scientists finding it and fucking around with it cause this thing to awaken and then it creates the angels which come and try to take over the planet, which is their birthright by destroying humanity. And then they have Adam like contained under their hidden base. So if any of the angels reach Adam and like make physical contact with it, it'll cause the third impact, which would be basically like a planet wide calamity that would destroy all life on earth that Lilith had created. Mm -hmm. And then like the angels would take over the planet finally. Hmm. So that's what is supposed to be going on in the show. Which is interesting, but they don't talk about it because they have to go into how Shinji entering the Ava is a fucking Freudian reference of him being reborn and about how he hit puberty and is trying to kill his father to uh, and get with his mother, which like Ray is a clone of his mother. So, like, he tries to kill his father and mate with his mother to become his father, which is, like, Freudian Psychology 101. So, like, the entire show... It should it should have been a fucking show about fighting angels and a separate show about a kid with an Oedipus complex. <laughs> I don't know why this is one show. Um, I, I, I've heard that like the, the, like the, the showrunner had like a mental break of some kind and basically drove the show in this kind of direction. Yeah. And like, like all of the characters are broken in different ways. So like each character is kind of an aspect of his psyche or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's also like whenever he finished the show. Like, he was still going through that, and, like, that's why it was kind of intentionally left open to interpretation, and, like, people still don't know what the fuck the show's about. Right. But then, like, he got over it, or something along those lines, and then made, like, movies as, as to, like, fix, like, not fix, but, like, actually end it. Like, uh, there's a whole movie that's basically, like, retelling the first 26, the first 24 episodes. And then, yeah. like, there's another movie that, like, completely throws out the final two episodes and is just, like, the new end, like, the true ending. Yeah, because I guess fans of the show were like, hey, what the fuck, give us an actual ending. So they made the end of Evangelion, which... It actually makes an ending for the show, but like I haven't seen it yet. But no. apparently, it's also the creator just saying, "Hey, fuck you!" Now this happens. <laughs> I, I read the synopsis. Basically, humanity is the eighteenth angel. So, so Shinji has to go around and kill all the other Avas. Yeah, and um, I guess I don't know if we're gonna review that at some point Eventually. for the show. I don't know if I want to necessarily revisit this. Um, the show or just the the series in general, the the franchise. Oh, but uh, so I guess um at the end of it, like Shinji destroys all life on Earth and causes the third impact. 
Um, so he's the last like living being on the planet. And like, since his character is like a whiny crybaby, basically who can't get it together. Like literally it is like the meek inherits the earth and like the planet is just like his at that point or whatever. I hear they're doing more movies too. Like they, they've done, they've done a few recently. There's another coming out, I think this year. But it's also Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0. And having watched um, Ghost in the Shell 2.0, basically what that's going to do is like a Pokemoning where like they're going to render things in 3D animation, but also have them with like 2D also on screen. It's going to look like a disaster. That's really what it's going to look like. So I wouldn't even bother with that shit. I feel like the way that you take the ideas from this show and do it right is basically what Attack on Titan is. Yes. Like, thematically, Attack on Titan is a lot like this show, except that it's good. <laughs> That's true. And I wanted to, I wanted to actually watch that, because she, like, if you hear during our Death Note episode, she can't pronounce Japanese names. So, like, hey, <laughs> we, should do, we should do Attack on Titan, because uh, with the exception of one character who is very obviously Japanese, uh, everyone is a European. So you can yeah. pronounce their names. Yep. Fuck, Attack on Titan's great. Okay, I do have to make her watch that. But we have so much other things to watch. If, she has to watch If you Firefly. do that as a Rabbit Ears episode, I have to be on it. Uh, it hasn't been canceled yet, so can't do it. Also, you're doing the BoJack episode since... Uh, yes. Yay. Because the BoJack episode's coming up. And she wants to do that at some point. She doesn't so. do current shows? Only no. shows that have ended? Only shows that have ended. And the only exception was uh, Spongebob. I didn't know that. Yeah, she didn't. Yeah. That's why you guys did shin She could do The Lab. Simpsons because it effectively <laughs> became jack shit after the 10th season. Well, that'll be... She, she, and, her, she and Nick can do that. It'll be fine. <laughs> Although The Simpsons movie, which I like to call The Simpsons really long episode, was also pretty good. I like The Simpsons movie. It's a good movie. There's something yeah, strange about that SOP sign. <laughs> we can't keep slowing down for every SOP, one vey, or yelled sign we see. Anything else you want to say about Evangelion before we uh, move away from this franchise potentially forever? I do want to actually watch End of Evangelion just to be like, okay, I do too. How it, what is this? Like, how does this, being that this replaces these final two episodes, what does it do? And like, I understand he's going for like a fuck you kind of scenario, but I still want to see it because I feel like that's more interesting than what we, well, I shouldn't say that. I feel like it fits more thematically with what we got than what we, uh, than what we originally got with the, the episodes. I think the only thing really that I have to say is once again, stop trying to make children sexy. Done. Easy peasy. Uh, and, and I'll basically mimic what you said, and I have this written down in my notes, but uh, separated both ideas of the show, uh, one being, you know, uh, child soldiers basically in like their mental deconstruction as they have to wage war to save humanity and uh, you know getting over loneliness which is essentially what the final two episodes are uh, those ideas are good separately but when they're mashed together they they feel like the ramblings of a madman yeah 
So, uh, <laughs> I'm almost scared to ask, what would you rate this? Two! It's a two. Yeah, uh, that's it. I, like, it's, it's a two, but I recommend watching it at least the first 24 episodes. Because I, like, like we, we've said it this whole time, there are good ideas here. Yeah, and I do feel like the show was close to being very good. Yes. So, there, there it is. Uh, Evangelion, finally done by us. And I, I am glad to say, I'm glad to say I watched the show. I am at least glad to do that. Like, you yeah. know, I know it's not the original dubbing, uh, which everyone is like, oh, it's amazing. Like, I, I don't really give a shit. Like, yeah, which I, that's I the it. thing, too, that we, like we didn't even get into is that this is a new dub. And and you can tell because these are people that like, I think Netflix's yeah. uh, voice acting crew, like I think they have their own people, like they have their their own actors. So like, yeah, this is and, their um, people. Also, like the uh, end credits song. Um, like in this, it's just like some instrumental bullshit. Uh, in the original version, it was uh. Not the original, but a cover of Fly Me to the Moon. Yes. And I guess Netflix didn't want to pay the licensing fees for it. Or the fees were just too fucking high. Yeah. So. Uh, it's, it's whatever. All right. Uh, so with that, Caleb, we're going to uh, go to that commercial that you like to talk about all the time. And uh, after we get back from that, we're going to talk about a patron review for Squid, the Squid and the Whale from uh, Nick from the Epic Film Guys podcast. So, everyone, chill out. We love you. The Netflix and Swole podcast is brought to you by our patrons. Gerald from Two Peas on the podcast. Nick and Justin from the Epic Film Guys podcast. Paul from the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews podcast. The IMDb Journey podcast. Julio from the Contrarians podcast, Ashley Gorski from the Rabbit Ears TV podcast, Nate Wade from the Everyone Has a Story podcast, Bill Sutton, James Delarosa, Ben Kiefer, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, and Dan's mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at patreon.com slash Netflix and Swill. In order to reach a wider audience, the show needs Apple podcast reviews. To leave us a review, follow the link in the show notes or search for the show on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening and helping us grow. Our audience is at the heart of everything we do. You make the one-star movies worth it. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it is time to talk about a patron-requested movie. Well, fine, if you don't want my money. You mean, if we watch terrible movies, you'd give us money? Well, sure. Mr. Caleb, welcome to the patron review segment. That's right, and this week we watched Noah Baumbach's The Squid and the Whale, which stars Jeff Daniels, Laura Linney, and uh, Jesse Eisenberg. And boy, who has been in literally nothing else. Owen Klein. Uh, and uh, William Walber, no, William Baldwin, uh, as a tennis instructor who goes dude a lot. See, I didn't know brother. He says brother. Um, no, that's it, brother. Brother. I couldn't, I couldn't place which Baldwin he was, but I knew he was one of the Baldwins. 
So, so what did you think of uh, a 2005 Noah Baumbach movie? Uh, I actually kind of loved it. I, I liked it a lot. It was very, very good. It's like an acting powerhouse piece. Uh, I don't know. Uh, shades of what would become Marriage Story, I guess. But I don't know. It's kind of about um, Jesse Eisenberg, who plays... Jeff Daniels, 16-year-old son, kind of learning that his father's not perfect and deciding that he doesn't want to commit the same sins as his father and, like, to be his own person. Well, yes. Which is great. Uh, From what I I gather, based on the timeline, that Jesse Eisenberg is basically Noah Baumbach in this because this is based off of Noah Baumbach's real life because it's, it's like Baumbach can only write one thing about himself. Uh, which is fine. Like he, he at least seems interesting in that way. Yeah, write what you know. Yeah. So uh, I, I think he's. I think Eisenberg is the most fascinating character because he very clearly wants to be his father. Like in so much as yeah. like he'll listen to anything he says and take it as gospel. Yeah, and he just parrots back shit that his dad says to everybody, like it's his own opinion. Well, I mean, he's he's a sixteen year old kid. He doesn't know any better, so he's like, ah, this is a uh, lesser Gatsby. Like this is this is clearly his magnum opus, and like, yeah. well, I like it as opposed to you know the 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 fucking critic that I hate. That's just like, yeah. hey, this this is it's shit. Kafka esque. Like it. <laughs> yes, that's because Franz Kafka wrote it. <laughs> so yeah, I, I like that, and I like like the eventual realization that he comes to that like his happiest memory doesn't involve his father at all, that his father was basically not there for him. And yeah. Based, I don't want to say absentee, because he was around, but he just wasn't like a part of his life until he became less successful, in which case uh, then he started getting more involved. And being that he just wanted to foster a relationship with his dad, he just kind of became, uh, like you said, a parrot of him. Yeah, uh, so this is about Jeff Daniels and Laura Linney getting divorced, um, and then I guess just the kid's reaction to that. So, uh, Jesse Eisenberg, I'm I'm not going to use character names, right? Uh, we, we never except do on the, the kid because I don't know that I don't know that actor's name. Owen Klein, uh, his character's name is Frank. Yeah, so Jesse Eisenberg takes his his father's side and. Uh, yells at Laura Linney a lot because, uh, like, at first they seem like they're going to be amicable and work together, but then Jeff Daniels starts doing the thing where he's going to use the kids against the partner that things didn't work out with, so he starts telling the kids that, like, she had affairs and stuff, which is further complicated by, like, her beginning to date. Mm-hmm. But, like, she won't, like, she doesn't stoop to that level, like, even though he's, like, a fucking lecherous dickhead and, like, tries to fuck one of his students or, like, tries to force himself on one of his students, it seems like, later in the movie. Yeah. Which was really weird. We don't get him, like, really, like, at first he seems against her, like, her advances and then like all of a sudden he's just like well fuck it i'm just gonna fuck it rogue from the the x-men movies anna peckwin that is that is her name but this was during the rogue era 
where she was rogue because huh. X three had not come out yet. I think. I, I didn't even X- realize that was. Uh, I didn't even realize that was her. Yeah, you learn something new every day. Yeah, so like, I mean, that, I think that's also the wake up, like the therapy session, and uh, that are like the wake up call to Jesse Eisenberg that basically his father isn't what he thought he was. Like he wasn't this idealized version of him. He's much more complicated and probably much more horrible than he initially realized and that he's not the person that you want to be parroting. Like there's, there's multiple scenes where Jeff Daniels just like, boy, uh, if I was your age, I would be playing the field. I wouldn't even, you know, I wouldn't even be locked down. I wouldn't be doing any of that stuff. I'd be trying to find like the best person available. And that causes Eisenberg to break up with his girlfriend who loved him very much. Who is like the sweetest girl ever. Yes, or not love them very much, but at least like them very much. You know, as much as kids can like each other during this time. She was willing to listen to him fucking say that Kafka was Kafka-esque, so. <laughs> uh, what else? The The title refers to a museum exhibit mm-hmm. that was, uh, like, one of Jesse Eisenberg's favorite childhood memories, uh, was when his mother would take him to the museums and stuff, and then they would talk mm-hmm. about their favorite exhibits when they got home that night. But there was an exhibit about the ocean that uh, had a like a sperm whale and a giant squid fighting, and he was scared to look at it when he was younger, so he like would cover his cover his eyes and look at it through the cracks in his fingers. But uh, kind of the end of the movie, um. Where, like, he, he kind of has his revelation and decides to, like, what kind of person he wants to be. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes back to the museum and he's able to, to face that display and actually look at it full on for the first time. So, it's uh, symbolic of character growth. Good Correct. job, Noah Bombach. Yes, good job developing yourself in, in your story. I'm real proud of you. Thank you for showing and not telling. Uh... I also found it interesting that the brother basically can't stop jacking off and becomes an alcoholic. Yeah, so there's fucking crazy stuff happening with him, like the younger brother, but they don't go into it as much. It's just like, oh, this is fucking him up. And then like they just kind of leave it there at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he, he basically becomes like a chronic masturbator, but he's like beaten off in his hand and like, wiping it on books in the library and like on girls lockers at schools and stuff yeah and uh he also starts getting into his parents alcohol and like makes himself sick and like there's a lot of just scenes of this 12 year old kid sitting with no shirt on drinking a beer because he decides that he's just gonna be like the man of the house now i guess yeah, it's never really, like you said, it's never really, like, explored into, like, what's going on behind his psyche, uh, especially because, like, he's never sent to therapy, despite the fact that he is masturbating in school and then wiping his cum on things, where you think that, like, that's a problem. Like, that's something that clearly needs addressed, but we're going to go after the kid that stole Pink Floyd song. Yeah, because uh, Jesse Eisenberg performs at, like, the school talent show or whatever, and, uh... He plays Hey You by Pink Floyd, which is like one of their most well-known songs, but he claims to have written it. 
And uh, like for a while, because like his family and stuff were like playing into him saying that. I was like, are they setting up a fucking like in fiction? He actually did just write this song. And like Pink Floyd didn't exist, but I was like, no, at the beginning of the movie, he was there with like fucking sheet music, learning how to play it. But right. And then like immediately once it's revealed, they play the Pink Floyd song in the background, like immediately after that scene resolves, just to be like, all right, fuck you, everybody. In case you didn't in case you don't know, Pink Floyd exists and are an actual band and wrote this song. Yeah. And then his whole thing is like, well. It's irrelevant that I didn't actually write it because I feel that I could have written it. It's okay, so he's just as narcissistic as his dad. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> I don't know, this is so funny, his reasoning. No, I feel like I could have written it, therefore, I, I pretty much wrote it. Get the fuck out yeah. of here. You fucking <laughs> psycho. But, like, yeah. I, 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 I get, like, why they would send him to therapy for, like incessant narcissism like that's just like yeah. one stealing a song saying you wrote it and then like perpetuating the lie and, and <coughs> even going so far as to say like i would have written it therefore i wrote it so like i understand why he's in therapy i don't understand why yeah. masturbator child is not in therapy and, and maybe that's because Bombbox just wanted to focus on his character like himself as a character as opposed to what happened with his brother yeah, like that guy, that kid goes to therapy after the film ends. But I don't know. I think that uh, it's interesting. Like Jesse Eisenberg worships his dad because, like, he was a moderately successful novelist. Mm -hmm. So, like, um, and his mother is like getting articles published in newspapers, and then like later on in the movie, she's having her own novel published. But, like, throughout the whole movie, uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Jeff Daniels are like, oh, well, she's not a real writer. Because, right. like, Jeff Daniels is the one that's, you know, super full of himself um, and kind of has Jesse Eisenberg, like, brainwashed a little bit into, like, this cult of personality that he built around himself for his son, which is fucking weird. Right. But, uh... Like, by the end of the movie, he can kind of see through that, and it's like, oh, okay, he's actually going to form his own opinions and not treat his mom like shit because she's the one who, like, the publishers actually want her material. Yeah. Uh, I, I think this is interesting when you look at um, Myra's stories, especially, because I th uh, aside from the dad being an artist in that movie, uh, it's very clear that that's another reflection of Bombbox life, where uh, the dad's kind of like this narcissistic asshole, and the family's just kind of putting up with him, and like it's almost like in that case, because I don't I don't remember who's older. I don't remember if it's Bombbox who's older or uh, Stiller who's older or uh, Sandler who's older. But like you see, like the whole I'm getting over uh, my dad, like basically being who I who I thought he was. So, like, you can see that kind of forming in this movie, and then, like, that movie is, like, processing that as, like, an adult now, as opposed to as a kid. Yeah, childhood ends whenever you find out that your parents are human beings. Nah. I don't know, like, the whole, the whole thing about them separating was that, 
like they were going to have joint custody of the kids. They would have equal time at each of their houses. But then, uh, like, it becomes clear that, like, really neither parent gives a shit what the kids want for the most part. Because, mm-hmm. like, the one kid's like, well, fuck you, dad, I'm I'm going to mom's house. And he's like, you can't, it's my night, and you're staying here. And then the kid leaves and, like, runs to his mom's house. And then, like, he goes in and she, like, comes downstairs uh, after, like, banging the kid's tennis coach, which is another weird thing that happens. And she's like, hey, it's nice to see you, but you can't be here. It's my night and I need time to myself. And it's like, mm-hmm. all right, well, neither of you are really in it for the kids, you know? Right. It's interesting. It's interesting to watch these movies and be like, oh, so this is Noah Baumbach's life. Like, this is how he saw the world. And I don't know. Like, I I don't know how many more stories he has like this. You know, uh, being that I've seen four of his movies now, I think this is your third, but I've seen while while we're young. And it's basically about, like, how, uh, and I'm taking it, it, the, the Ben Stiller character is him, but, like, how he ran into, like, a group of hipsters. And, like, tried to see life through a different lens, but then realized he couldn't keep up with that kind of lifestyle. So he fucking bounced. Uh, and yeah. I mainly associate that with when he met Greta Gerwig, most likely. So. um, I have seen four Noah Baumbach movies. No. He wrote the screenplay for The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Oh, well, look at him. And look at you. That's weird. I wouldn't consider him for, like, a Wes Anderson-type movie. Yeah, he actually has more writing credits than directing credits, so. Because he wrote, he also wrote the uh, the screenplay for Fantastic Mr. Fox and Madagascar 3. Rent must well, have been due. Uh, yes, that's not for, I think that came out around, like, the time his divorce with Jennifer Jason Lee was finalizing, so yes, he definitely needed money. And that's, that must also be where he uh, met up with Stiller and was like, hey, you want to do a real project? I don't know. Overall, what did you think of this? Uh, I liked it. Yeah, I'm definitely going to recommend it. Our, our discussion has aided me in, in liking it more. Uh, I it Also, like, kind of sitting on it, too. Like, originally I was going to give it a three. I think we're going to sit at a three and a half now. Like, it, it's, a, it's a good movie. Like, it's... As of now, it's lesser Bombach because, like, the other two... Like, I don't, I still don't know how to process while we're young because, like, it's one of these weird movies that, like, Obviously, they're doing something wrong, and like they eventually wake up to it. So I have to revisit it. But with like Meyerowitz and uh, Mare's story, like obviously them being ten years down the road, he's honed his craft, so he's able to like squeeze a lot in. But this movie is still pretty dense. Like this is an eighty-minute movie, and we've been talking about it for twenty minutes. Yeah, and that's something we didn't really talk about either. Is but like, uh, its brevity helps it actually a lot. It doesn't take any longer to tell the story that it needed to tell. So, uh, I'll I'll say a four, I guess. Yeah, sure. It's it's between a three and a half and a four, so. But I liked it enough. I'll I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Uh, needless to say, I'm excited for every Noah Baumbach project I can get my hands on, uh, with the exception of Madagascar Three, because that is <laughs> uh, very very obviously a paycheck, but. Uh, I'm looking forward to whatever he does in the future, and I hope it's 
like continually at Netflix, unless like for some reason someone decides to give him like a comic book movie, which would be uh, fascinating. He's going to direct Moon Knight. That'd be interesting. He'd need someone. He'd need to get a cinematographer that could shoot action, but he, it'd be interesting. <laughs> oh, something I forgot to mention with this movie: uh, no tripod. So I, I'm glad in the last twelve years, Noah Baumbach bought a tripod. So real proud of you, buddy. See, it still wasn't that bad, though. Like, I don't know. There were a lot of like inside the car shots, but those were fine. Like those, I can excuse. Yeah, like those all looked fine. But like, so. there's. It's at the um. It's when Eisenberg's at the shrink, and it's just like a fucking like an earthquake's happening while they're trying to shoot this goddamn scene. I'm like, okay, like maybe the cinematography's trying to say like we're shaking his world up because like his entire worldview is shifting due to this therapy session. But like, stop, like just just set it down on that bookshelf behind the guy. Like the the guy the guy at the bookshelf. Just use that. Just steady this up. Nope. Okay, you're just gonna be an asshole. Got it. All right. Well, uh, Dan, what are we going to be talking about next week? Next week, it's BoJack Horseman Season 6 Part 2 time. Uh, this is it. This is the final episode of, that we'll be covering BoJack unless we decide to do an entire series retrospective at some point. Uh, and if that happens at some we point, won't. Uh, you know we are out <laughs> of ideas. Yeah. There there are certain telltale markers of people being out of ideas. That would be our telltale I- marker that we're out of ideas for this show. Uh with the exception yeah. of like covering content like the Netflix At least it's out. been a while since we just did like a s- straight up clip show. That's true. And at least those are like typically uh best bits or things that we cut entirely. It's not like Neon Genesis Evangelion which well it's like Half of the episodes from like the latter half of the show are just clip show episodes. Uh, and okay. and, b- and because uh, we have not done a cautionary tale of Netflix since I I swear to God it's been like live stream for the cure. Yeah. Uh, since we've done a, a cautionary tale of Netflix, uh, I went around and uh, I tried to find like the worst movie on Netflix available. Uh, and this one is called Hunt to Kill. Uh, Caleb, I don't have internet right now on this computer that I'm surfing the web on. Uh, can you look up Hunt to Kill and tell people about it? Steve Austin stars as U.S. Border Patrol agent Jim Rhodes, a tough divorce mourning... I, I guess that's supposed to say divorcee. Uh, mourning the loss of his murdered partner while struggling to raise his rebellious daughter in the mountains of Montana. He's a Border Patrol agent in Montana. So he's keeping Canadians from coming in. It's not racist, because they're Canadian. Yeah. Fucking frostbacks. Uh, <laughs> but when a crew of trigger-happy fugitives takes Rhodes and his daughter hostage, a rugged wilderness will explode in all-terrain vengeance. ATV. ICU. We were in the intensive care unit. <laughs> Is there any wounded animal more dangerous than a lawman left for dead? All right, so I'll give you three guesses as to why I chose this movie. Uh, Steve Austin. Correct. That's you. You needed one. I'm real proud of you. Yeah. Uh, ba- basically, <laughs> if it has a wrestler in it, who uh... is he? Is he gonna murder a criminal by spraying him with a beer hose? I. Ho- oh my god. Ah, <laughs> I'd I'd lose my fucking mind. You have no idea. And then Kurt Angle comes out with a milk truck. 
I'd be so happy. Kurt Angle in the fucking milk truck is like the best gag they ever did. Till next week when we talk about pro wrestling, where can the people find us? Netflixandswill.com for now, until it's whatever we decide to rename the website to, uh, and we're still able to trick you guys. Uh, but yeah, give us money on Patreon. You know you want to. Because wrestling. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> this is Caleb saying we'll see you next Tuesday. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.